0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who wanna know what works with social media. I am very excited about today's show. Today, we're going to explore how to connect with people using social media. And I'll be joined by Brian Kramer, author of the new book, Human to Human. I've also got a really cool tool that I wanna share with you. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna share that with you right now.
1: After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered.
0: Now, you know that Twitter is a stream and not everybody's on Twitter at the same time. And a lot of times when you tweet something, it may not be seen because the people that are following you on Twitter may not be there when you tweet it. It's kind of like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, you know, you've heard that old philosophy. So the idea here is if there was a way for you to know when the vast majority of your followers are actively on Twitter, you could go ahead and tweet or schedule tweets or be there live when they are there, thus increasing the chances that your tweets will be seen and interacted with and reshared by your Twitter followers. Enter stage left, a cool tool called uh, Tweriod. It's like period meets Twitter, T-W-E-R-I-O-D, T-W-E-R-I-O-D.com. And basically what it does, it's a free tool. It runs an analysis of the last 1,000 of your Twitter followers. And what it shares with you is it tells you when the vast majority of them are actually online, and also when you'll get the most exposure for your tweets. So for example, we have a relatively new Twitter account for our MyKidsAdventures.com website, and it's called Kids underscore Adventures. And we were trying to figure out, you know, we, it's a small account compared to our other accounts, when are people actually actively online? So we use the tool. It's really simple. You just basically, you know, use your Twitter account to log into the tool. And then it, runs an analysis of the last 1,000 people. And here's some of the cool things that we discovered. For example, we discovered that the best time for us to get exposures is between 5 and 6 o'clock Pacific and 8 and 10 o'clock Pacific on the weekdays. Now, it breaks down. It tells you the weekends. It tells you Sundays, Mondays, and then weekdays. And we also discovered, for example, that the peak time that people are on on the weekends is 9 p.m., and the peak time that people are on during the week is 9 and 10 p.m. So, this tells us that this particular audience that is following us, or at least the last 1,000 of them, tend to use this in the evening, probably after the kids go down, and it logically makes a lot of sense. So, we're using this to strategically share tweets during that period of the day. Now, there is a possible upgrade that you can do. And and the price of this is pretty reasonable. It depends how many Twitter followers you have. And instead of just analyzing your last 1,000 followers, you can analyze all of them. I think it's a really cool tool providing intelligence that frankly, I don't think was available before a tool like this was out there. Twirid.com. And if you missed how to spell it or any of that kind of stuff, don't worry. We'll have all that in the show notes with you. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. With that, let's transition over to today's expert interview with Brian Kramer.
1: Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert
0: guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Brian Kramer. If you don't know who Brian is, he's a social business strategist, CEO of Pure Matter, and a host of the podcast From the Author's Point of View. And his latest book is called Human to Human. Brian, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: So today Brian and I are going to explore why so many marketers are struggling to connect with people via social media in particular and what can be done to fix it. So Brian, let's start with my first question which is why do so many of us have a hard time making connections with people via social media?
1: Yeah, yeah that's you know that's it's it's something that we've all learned as communicators, I think um, as mar- marketing people along the way that you know, we learned, how to, we learned how to communicate, but we never learned how to really be social. Um, so communicating in a message is one thing, but actually engaging, that's, a sec- that's another. Um, and, and as a human, to human interaction, that really changes things um, when social co- came about, as you, as you well know. So um, the one thing I actually assign it to is, is uh, one word, which is fear. Mm. Um, so mass adoption of social media, as you know, has really put a magnifying glass on business, and it used to be that brands could rise up by pushing out, you know, one-way communication to their audience, and it was totally acceptable. But now socials enabled global and public conversations. Brands are now struggling to find their voice. So there's still a lot of fear within businesses, I think, because of social that I talk about in my book. And um, I've actually divided these fears into the three distinct categories. Um, one is fear of not being on social media, so they jump right in without a plan.
0: Right. Uh, let, let, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm tempted about this, right? Like you see, a, you see a new something come along, right? Like Snapchat. And the first thing you do is like, Oh my gosh, what is that? We got to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Why is it that, why is it that we're, why is it that we have this fear of missing out? Is it because maybe we relate to the game with social, with Facebook and we're envious of some of the people that are already successful or some of the businesses that are successful. I mean, what do you think is the underlying reason why we have this fear of missing out?
1: You know, I think that it's the unexpected. Um, we really enjoy being uh, uh, pleased. There's, a, there's an environment online that allows us to uh, dialogue with people, but also test new things and new ways of interacting with each other. And, and not everything is for everyone. Um, so as we're moving through and thinking that we've missed out on something, here comes a new product like what, WhatsApp or, or, um, or, or, uh, Snapchat, um, as these things are coming out, especially for the millennials, it makes total sense for them to jump onto the latest thing. Well, first of all, cause their parents aren't there. And second, because it, they get a new thing to try out and that's how they've grown up.
0: You know, I think there's one thing that every marketer and every business owner wants and they want consistency, right? I mean, like we just figure out Facebook and then they changed the algorithm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's like, ah, right. Cause in the olden days, marketing was frankly, relatively easy. You know, you, you kind of knew if you did this, you would get this kind of return and now it's super complicated. So, okay. So that makes sense. That's, you said there were two other issues other than that. What were the other two?
1: The other two is fear of saying the wrong thing, oh, yeah. so you don't take part at all.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a big and the
1: one. third one is fear of what engaging means for your company. So they, so companies will use social as a one-way conversation. Hmm. Um, not just companies, but actually individuals, um, people in Hollywood, for instance. Um, there's a lot of companies that are not wanting to take, not wanting to dialogue because they're they're fearful of maybe it's the legality of it. Um, or it's the um, fear of having to dialogue back with a 1,000 people. Take Lady Gaga, for instance. She will not respond to anything uh, really on Twitter or Facebook. Wow. But it's interesting because what she did do is she took the top 1% of her um, followers, the people that were the true VIPs, the ones that were her little monsters of, of elite, And she built her own private social network and invited them to join her over there. And that's where she engages. So now because she can't engage with the 2 million people over on uh, Facebook, but she can engage with the 100,000 people over on um, her private network, and they're helping to create content for her. They're creating artwork and dialogue and things that are now making it into her shows where she's actually selling the artwork of the crowds that are coming up with a lot of this um, great material for her. So it's fantastic how brands really who are afraid to dialogue with the millions of people that are out there can find a way truly to measure it down to some uh, a group of people that really um, want to engage.
0: Okay. So bottom line is there's a lot of reasons why marketers are struggling to connect with people via social media. And I totally agree. Um, you know, everything is public. Everything is there forever. The, the social media has a permanent memory, right? And everyone's watching. And that's a legitimate reason for people to be scared. Um, but, you know, let's talk about the flip side of it. Given all that fear, how do you actually go about being human uh, in social context? What do you recommend people do? How do they face these fears?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, a, really, that's a really good question. And, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of it takes education, um, and educating our uh, audience, educating our, um, our employees especially at companies and just helping them to understand how to dialogue and how to be human online. Um, you know, part of it is understanding the different senses, the different ways that you can interact with people and teaching that to them. Um, you know, you're, we're on a podcast right now which is audio, but there's also visual. There's, there's, um, there's, there's photography, there's different ways that within the different senses, and in a sensory marketing perspective, that there's a little bit of something for everyone right now. And I think if we can uh, allow them to learn how to communicate within the sense that makes the the most, forgive me, but the most sense for them it's going to start to alleviate a lot because we're expecting too much of people. We're expecting them to share in all senses in video and audio and um, you know, and, and listening and so on and so forth. Um, Starting with one and moving down the the line is really the important part, but overall education is key.
0: So in your book, human to human, um, you say, quote, in social content is important, but context is huge. Talk talk to us about the importance of context. What do you mean by that?
1: Context is massive. So let me take a step back for a minute and explain why.
0: The convergence of
1: social, mobile, and digital technologies has changed the way we as humans have learned to communicate with each other texting um has eliminated face-to-face meetings or um my my daughter on uh, i i communicate with her on snapchat that's how we talk to each other huh. when she's up in her room huh <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the crazy. only way i can get her to come down for dinner how old it? is she she's 15
0: okay well that makes sense
1: <laughs> so i snapchat her with and i and i type dinner
0: <laughs> that's too funny
1: <laughs> and so you know this is where we're heading um you know at the very least it's it's mouth to ear communications, like how we used to use the phone. Um, and so there's character limits like on Twitter, it forces us to work within one hundred forty characters. This is a problem for all all humans since over ninety percent of human communication is conveyed through the video uh, video language cues. think about that. So if ninety percent of what we're talking about in person Has to be a visual communication, then that leaves us with only ten percent of non-visual communication online. So that means it's a floodgate of communication without context.
0: Well, there lays the problem. I'm going to give you an interesting little example. Um, I've been in communications with um, with someone who is a designer. His name is Matt Clark from TweetPages.com, and you know, um, I just wanted to talk to him because I thought he was a great designer, and you know. I'm a prospect for him, so what does he do? He actually records a seven-minute video of him at his computer talking to the camera as if he was talking to me, and then he sends me that video. And he's basically introducing who he is to me. And I thought to myself, brilliant! I mean, this is this is a great example of human to human using you know basically YouTube. And I was like blown away because I've never seen anything like that. Because it was like, you know, it made a lot of sense because he doesn't have a lot of time to do, quote unquote, Skype conversations. So what does he do? He actually creates these videos that make huge impressions on one person. I love it. And the end result is, you know, he's coming to speak at Social Media Marketing World now as a result uh, of that.
1: I love that. Right. I love that.
0: that just shows you the power of using context, right?
1: That's absolutely right and, and 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 we're going back to the way it was. Um, now we have the tools and socials forced us to do exactly just that that's the that's personalization right at its very core. He has completely personalized an approach now he put a lot of effort into that, and that goes miles too um, I, I, you know and one of the things I always like to talk about is um back when I was in um in college when I had a job at, have you ever had a job that you did not like?
0: Of course, who hasn't?
1: <laughs> right. I So I hated every one of my jobs in high school and college because nobody was entrepreneurial. It was, let's do it this way, this way, and this way. And I had just such a, 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 a negative uh, reaction to that. And I finally got the, the, a great job, believe it or not, at Domino's pizza delivery as a driver. And, um, and one of the things that I really liked about it is um, is that they allowed me to kind of think beyond just driving um, you know, a pizza to, to someone. I actually you know, was in Safeway one day. I saw a pallet of Coke and Diet Coke, and it was $0.50 cents for two, so it was $0.25 cents per two-liter. And I bought the whole pallet, put it in the back of my truck, um, 84 Chevy Blue Blazer. I'll never forget it. And I drove those two-liters with a medium or larger to every person who had ordered a pizza. Now, before when I delivered a pizza, they'd give me almost no tips because they're college students and they never had money. Right. But after I delivered that two liter to them and, to, and they say, and they say that, you know, I didn't order this, they come back and say, man, I didn't order this. And I, and I was like, Hey, it's for free. You know, this is just me and I wanted to help you out. And I know everybody's thirsty and they, I swear to God would, pull out $5 and $10 and <laughs> hand it to me. And I, before you know it, I'm making like $400 and $500 a night up from you know my hourly wage. And it was phenomenal. I lasted for a month and a half at my longest job there until they called me into the office and they said, hey, people are calling all over the place because their two liters aren't being delivered by the other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up saying, well, you should take this on as a marketing plan. They're like, no, 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 it's not part of the, the plan. And so we can't do that. And I, I said, you know, you're missing out. And so that, that was, I had to hang up my, my hat at that point. But, um, but that, that, I mean, just going back to the very point of, you know, what I'm trying to say is it's delivering unexpected value to an individual. And they feel like they, they are being listened to, that they're being heard, or that they're, they're receiving something out of the ordinary. And that, that really makes a difference
0: you know i i i want to i want to stop and pause for a second on this because as marketers especially those of us that have been doing this for a while i've been doing this for 18 years it's very easy for us to to forget that we're dealing with people and we're not dealing with just numbers right because back in the olden days it was really about numbers and targets and you know phrases that basically non-humanized people right like, um, you know, we would call leads, we had names for that, you know, like, uh, you know, we'd use fishing analogies, right? Like, did you get a catch today? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, we got to stop and at least think in the context of social, um, the, the human component is absolutely essential. But I guess the next logical question, Brian, is, well, it's not scalable. How can you be human to human and still scale? I'm sure people are wondering about this right now.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, That's one of the things where you have to scale it from an employee base, and that's part of becoming a social business. Um, Social businesses, especially at the enterprise level, mid-market to enterprise level, are still trying to become social businesses. And there isn't a company out there that I would point to and say that they are a social business. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason is because social is still not a part of the very fabric of their Essence of their being, and it's not integrated into their products and their solutions and their people. You know, until we get that done, it's not um, it's not here yet. But it will become scalable once they educate their employees on what it means to be a social business.
0: And you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of people listening don't know this, but I used to work at Sears, and I was the manager of the computer department, and later went over the electronics. And we had a rule that it was called the three second rule. If someone walked onto the carpet. Where um, we were selling stuff, we had to engage them within three seconds. That was the nature of how you built relationships with these people and helped them and service them. And it seems like since we've gone online, we've moved away from service and human to human, doesn't it? And it seems like now it's finally coming back because of social.
1: Absolutely. I, you know, I have another uh, great example around Virgin America. That's um, they, I love them by the way they're just such a if i had to point to a more social business virgin would be it because they're actively listening and um and i think that's part of it to answer your question because i think you know we're all listening online and we're looking at streams and we're looking at what people are saying and what catches our you know our interest but active listeners really look at what's actually being said from the human so they're looking beyond what um is being said in that one statement and they're understanding who is saying it why they're saying it um, and understand the context behind that person. That's active listening. So uh, Virgin America, they responded to me in a timely manner um, on, one, on a recent trip to a conference that I was you know, cruising at 30,000 feet, which ironically I think I was maybe even chatting you at the same time. Um, and I tweeted out a response to the conference organizer about how excited I was to be speaking and mentioned um, how happy I was to be flying my favorite airline, Virgin America. And they gave them attribution in the tweet. And within minutes, their social team responded with an acknowledgement, thanking me for the tweet and wishing me a great time in Orlando. But what's remarkable about this is I never mentioned I was flying in Orlando in my tweet. The only information they had for me was the name of the conference, which was IBM Connect, hashtag IBM Connect. And they took it upon themselves to look where, up where the conference was being hosted and responded to me accordingly.
0: That's pretty cool. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. So, you know, and I've seen this too with, um, uh, gosh, it's either Hilton or Hyatt. I can't even remember. Um, but, um, some people were recently tweeting about how excited they were. Um, they were going to be coming down the coast of California to social media marketing world and in San Diego. And I think that they say they were staying at the, at the, um, at the Hyatt, which is where we're having the conference and somebody up in Northern California that was a Hyatt said, we hope you have a lot of fun. And if you need, you know, let us know if it, you know, it, you know, I think for, I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was like, Hey, you know, enjoy your stay and let us know if you need another place to stay somewhere along the coast. You know, I mean, it was like, they were watching for the the word Hyatt, acknowledging that the person mm. was coming down the coast and actually responded to that person and they were representing another Hyatt that was up in Northern California. <laughs> so, I mean, these, these kind of things happen. How, how does somebody go about doing something like this?
1: Um, when, when you say doing something like this, you mean... Um, like how
0: do business... Like people that are listening right now that want to, like, for example, use Twitter, right? Which is the most open social network out there. What tips would you give them if they want to try to listen and interact with people in a surprising way that, uh, with social? What do they do?
1: Yeah, that that is, that is. First of all, I think just setting up uh, some of the very basics. So we're talking about Twitter here as as a as a as a as a tool. And the the tw- the Twitter feed is so amazing, but actually taking it into a list format is one of my favorite things to do. Um, and per- and then I can now personalize um, it within categories. So if you jump into lists, build your list up of. 10 people you want to get to know I have a get to know list and it's people that I just wanna learn more about and I'm not creeping on them because I'm not on Twitter that much but when I do get on in the morning or you know I'm wanna get my news then I'll open up one of the streams from one of my lists and I'll and I'll run down the list and see what people are talking about and and when I you know with over eighty thousand followers right now there's no way that I can talk to all those people But what I can do is I can build these little lists that, um, that are poignant or, or specific to the people that I want, either want to get to know or I know and I just want to retweet their stuff. And that goes miles because now they know I have this many followers, but somehow I picked them out of the feed and, and paid attention to them. I gave them attribution or I just started a dialogue with them and said, hey, how are you doing? Um, these kinds of things are unexpected when you think about the <laughs> sheer data you know, volume that's going on Twitter right now. So there, there's some very basic stuff that you can do to get started.
0: And I would imagine you could go ahead and simply just set up an RSS feed or something like that with a Twitter keyword search and you could just kind of watch with a tool like, um, oh gosh, any Twitter client probably allows you to do it. Just watch for search phrases, right? Like for example, um, you know your city or your company name or whatever and then you could just kind of proactively when people are mentioning that, engage them. Totally. Talk to me a little bit about so the title of your book is called Human to Human, and um, you're kind of alluding to the fact that B2B and B2C no matter no longer matter. Kind of elaborate a little bit on what's the, what's the story behind the Human to Human title?
1: It's an interesting story because um, I actually was working on a different book um, uh, when I first started this journey a couple months ago, and I, I keynoted it. Um, I was really lucky and excited to keynote at Bloomberg uh, now about five weeks ago, and I've been talking about human for the last 13 years of our business here at Pure Matter, and we've um, you know, kind of coined it in our everyday-to-day speak with our clients and how we like to humanize the experience, not just social, but also digital and, and uh, UI and development and so on and so forth. It's all about the, the customer experience. And um, at the end of the day, that's where it led. So I gave this presentation, and one of the screens was that title of the book. And the title took off. It got um, screen. Somebody stopped me in the middle of the presentation to go back to the screen, take a picture of it, and um, and and half the audience did the same thing. And it the tweet resulted in um as we measured it in like over eighty million wow. impressions um over the course of the next twenty four hours and I knew then just by kind of seeing all the responses to that that it was really resonating and um and I wanted to just take it further, so I set aside the book I was working on and stopped and started working on this book and worked on it for for five days and completed it and got it. Got it out, self-published it so that I, you know, could get it. Um, Five
0: days is nothing, man. I can't believe you did that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a day and night job.
0: <laughs> wow. I
1: didn't. I, yeah, stuck to my couch and the laptop and some water, uh, maybe a couple glasses of wine.
0: So, give me the premise of the book.
1: Um, yeah, the pre- the premise of the book is simplifying um, simplifying the con- complex. It's taking our language, taking the way that we interact with people, and, um, and, and really simplifying it down to what matters most, which is the customer or consumer. Um, and that's where the no B2B or B2C comes from. When we sit in meetings and we're talking to each other, we're talking so detailed. We're, we're using arrows and charts and things that matter about how we speak internally. But when we start to take the customer in mind and think about what they care about it's really just something simple most of the time and I think we get caught up in our own com- complexities when we're talking about how to market a product or mm. how to sell a product and it's and it's a, it's it's really delivering back to where things used to be
0: well um, one of your chapters in your book talks about how to connect with people at a human level and you refer to some of the human basic needs can you can you mention a few of those needs and um, maybe help people that are listening right now to be thinking about you know, what that could mean in regards to their communications?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I talk about six basic human needs. Um, so, and, yeah, the six basic human needs are outlined in, in the book. A couple of them are, um, you know, that people are, humans need variety, um, which eventually equates to uncertainty. Um, this explains why people love roller coasters, right? Or adventures. Huh. Um, they, they like to be surprised, but they also like to have different things going on in their lives. That's, that's a human need that we all have. Um, there's something exciting about unpredictable situations. And as humans, we need to, we need things to be different so we don't die of boredom.
0: Okay. So let's Um, pause here for a second. Yeah. This is known in my world as like teases, you know? Um, so back in the early days of marketing, People would tease that something big is coming, but they wouldn't say what it is. And they might give clues and hints. And I did this when I was starting my kids' adventures. You know, I just would take, for example, some of our early logos and fuzz them out or just show a little piece of it. And people went nuts. They were like, what is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they were like anxiously awaiting. Or we see the same thing, right? When um, back in the day, when we know that there's some big announcement coming from Apple, but we don't know what it is, right? Everybody wants to be like, um, I don't know, they, they, there is something to that isn't there? And how should we as marketers use that? Do you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah. I think that, I think, um, you know, if you take these six human needs and you, you, you use them as a checklist against your marketing campaigns, you're, you're more likely to be successful. Um, because I think you're, you're, you're talking on them on their, talking to them on their level. Um, we all respond as humans to certainty, uncertainty, connection, values, um, um, and then when you start to take in the, the, the actual senses and match it to that, you know, so now, now you're looking at, sight, you know, sight, listening, so audible, um, you know, and the different, the, diff- the various medias that you can use online, hmm. um, you run the, both of those against each other as checklists. Um, now you're meeting the needs of all humans. It's not going to meet the need of every human for everything you do, but your likelihood of being successful goes way up because now you've got something for everyone.
0: Wow, talk to me about the connection. You said is that one of those human needs? Connection.
1: Connection's huge. That's actually as a human need. That's something that that I. That's m- my top need. Um, I like to connect with people, and um, and it serves my 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 human core, if you will. So um, I think that connecting with humans is what socials all about. Mm. And um, you know, one of the, one of the things that really got me last what was it a week ago when Valentine's Day hit. Um, IBM sent a, uh, tweeted me a Valentine's card um, and it was a, you know, a graphic that they put together um, and they uploaded the image and put a custom a custom note to it from uh, IBM social business and then they also customized my name and every everything into the image and I just thought that was phenomenal. They connected with me, they cared um, and it just made me just stop and want to go, wow, I did not expect that today on Valentine's Day from IBM, right? That is so. Totally cool. um, it, it it served a need. Um, it served that that primary need for me, which is you know connecting with people. Now in this case, it was a brand, and I think that that um, that was just a, a great way to go.
0: Do you think that belonging also is part of this too? Like belonging to a special group, for example. Like I think of cheers. Yeah. You know, cheers where everybody wants to know your name. Yeah. You know, and I think um, you all you alluded to it a little bit earlier with um, uh, the musician that you mentioned, um, drawing a blank on her name that has the little monsters. Um, Lady Gaga. Yeah, Lady Gaga has this exclusive club, right? And the idea is everybody wants to belong to something that's exclusive. Like this is kind of funny, and I'm sure you probably got one of these. But remember when LinkedIn sent out these notifications, and they said you're in the top 10 percent of users on LinkedIn, or you're in the top 5%, you're in the top 1%. Do you remember when all this went down? Yeah, I do. So the funny thing about this is everybody was taking screenshots of this, putting them up on Facebook saying, woohoo, I'm in the top 10%, you know, and everybody was like saying, congratulations, I always knew you were awesome. And then, but when you actually stood back and actually did the math, what's 10% of 200 million people? <laughs> 20 million. <Right. laughs> yeah. It was a brilliant marketing backfired. campaign. Well, it, it backfired maybe, but actually it still worked though. You know what I mean? Because even though it's true that a lot of people did the numbers, it just goes to show you that everybody wants to belong. And um, even something as simple as that, I'll give you another example. I'm a FitBitter. Do you know what FitBit is?
1: I'm, I'm on it as well.
0: Okay. So out of the blue, Fit FitBit emailed me and I put this up on Facebook and you might've even seen this. And they said, congratulations, you are, and they gave me some sort of, um, animal, like a giraffe, you are as, you walked as far as like 2,500 giraffes and you walked around the world 26 times this year, you know? And and then they gave me a cool little graphic and stuff like that, you know? And it was like, wow, that's really cool. And I ended up taking a screenshot of it and putting it up on Facebook. And it was just kind of a, maybe that falls into the variety, a little surprise or a little acknowledgement for my achievement. But that was another cool thing that I thought was really neat. And it was obviously... I wasn't the only one that got it because you probably got one too, right?
1: I love that aspect. And man, you're, 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 you're totally, um, spot on. That's, that's exactly what, um, what companies are doing right around gamification. And, and yet all you're doing is you're, you're, um, you're, you're liking the experience. It's, they're giving you something personable. Um, you're connecting with the company and, um, and, and it's variety because they're coming up with new things all the time to serve you that you didn't see before. And, um, and so they're meeting exactly what it is we're talking about with, with these, with these, um, uh, you know, human needs. And it, it's, it's the same thing that, um, that I find with, um, you know, with other companies that are struggling to figure out how to connect. And when you apply these things, like what you're talking about with Fitbit, that's great. Now, going back to your, your, your comment on, um, on a community, the, the, definition of community is a is is a makeup of members and a membership is when somebody belongs to something so you are either a member or you're not a member and that's the definition of crowd so if you think about a crowd and how do you get people to want to participate they have to want to become a member and the membership has to work its way through these six human needs in order for that to work
0: that's awesome um let's talk about disruption real quick um you talk about disruption being a big deal, and I think you maybe even have a whole chapter on this. What, what is disruption? Why is it important? How does that work into our marketing?
1: Yeah, disruption's been around a long time, um, as you know, and it's been a part of marketing since the days of Mad Men. Um, but there's two sides of disruption. I talk about this again in the book, but there's dark and delightful, um, where marketers have a choice in their approach. So a good example of dark, the dark side of disruption is remembering back when, like, TV commercials used to play with a loud volume. Um, you know, it used to come up when the commercials would come out. And you were trying to, you know, when you're trying to watch the commercials, um, it, it, they would try to get your attention through the volume going up. Right. Which is now I think it's illegal to do. Um, today um, it would be a pop-up box that suddenly appears unexpectedly over an article you're reading online or interrupting your experience in some negative way so that you can't complete your shopping basket experience. Um, so that's the dark side of disruption. Um, it's annoying and it won't make you want to buy their stuff, right? Right. Um, on the light side, it's, con- you know, and that's where I prefer to concentrate and I think we all do as humans is in the delightful side. And um, that's that's really delivering an experience that connects with me as a human and makes me want to either laugh or cry or share an emotion. So that kind of marketing is way more memorable. It's more enjoyable, and it'll probably make me buy your product or service a lot more.
0: That could so, be a, uh, that could be a video, yeah. for example, right? A funny video or something.
1: Yeah, humor is is huge. Humor for the right reasons. Humor and you know, not right. to be cliche and an authentic approach, but yeah. Humor is is phenomenal. So at least be at least um, you know when you are delightfully disrupting when you're when you're whether it's a small or a a large delightful disruption. Like take WestJet. I'm sure you saw the WestJet.
0: Oh yeah, the whole Santa Claus thing. Yeah, exactly. Where they they gave away. um, They asked people and a video monitor by scanning their ticket, um, you know, what do you want from Santa? And Santa knew who else yeah. was on the flight and said, what about your mom and dad? And then when they ended up at their destination, they had the presents wrapped for them. I mean, that was huge. That was awesome.
1: It was, I I cried. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I was literally just, it brought tears to my eyes. And here I'm watching this thing on, on I think it was Mashable or YouTube, and I just couldn't believe it, the way, the delightful disruption, not only to those people, but also you know, from an, from an airline company. Uh, Airlines really could use all the love they can get these days.
0: (laughs) So last question. Um, what is something that people can do right now that are listening to be more human with their social media marketing? What's something they can start experimenting with now?
1: You know, I think that one of the things that we, that would, um, knock people uh, knock their socks off is is making making. I always believe in the give 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 get policy. So um, you know, and get might even not even ever happen um, when you're giving online and you know you're sharing not to receive something back. That's that's being human, um, and it's it's really um, putting something out there that's unexpected to someone else. So I would encourage everyone who's listening to to just try it once. And do something for someone else in a completely unexpected way, in a social way, and watch how it comes back because it'll come back in, in a smile, in a laugh, in a, in, in a thank you, or it may not come back immediately, but it will come back eventually.
0: Well, Brian, I know that um, I speak for a lot of listeners that um, this has been really enlightening and cool. Um, And there's a lot of ideas flooding through my head about what I could do with this. If people want to discover more about you and your new book, Human to Human, where would you send them?
1: Yeah, best place is on bryancramer.com, B-R-Y, and then Kramer with a K. And um, you can click on book and and it'll have all the links there.
0: Brian Kramer, author of Human to Human, thank you so much for uh, your time on today's call.
1: Thank you. This is awesome. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. Also want to remind you where you can get the show notes. If there was anything that we mentioned, we'd take the notes for you. And all you have to do is go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash eighty That'll get you everything we talked about in today's show. And obviously the opportunity to leave comments, interact with uh, myself and Brian. Also, I could really use your help getting the word out about this show. Uh, this is how we grow. Um, One of the things that you can do is give us a rating and or a review on iTunes. And it's really simple. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. You can do the same thing on Stitcher. It's socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. You can also find us on SoundCloud. Now, the benefit of giving us a review is it just allows more people to discover us based on the way the algorithms work in the news feeds. And if you're not already subscribing, I would strongly recommend you subscribe to us using whatever player that you happen to use. You'll pretty much find us on all the platforms. Well, this does bring us to the end of the social media marketing podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change